Welcome back, everyone, to another Slab Sox live show. Not on Monday, but on Tuesday, because today is Tuesday. Um, it is July 5th, the day after July 4th, hence why we didn't have a live stream last week. It is 6 p.m. Eastern time, though, like normal, and I'm not joined by Nate today, just like on the Sunday Flip Quest, I was joined by Papa Slab, my dad. But today I'm joined by Julian, Slab Sox Julian, our intern. Thank you so much for joining me on this lovely day. Yep, thank you for having me. Of course, man. We're here to talk about some buying and selling in a down market and different strategies that we're employing right now because for a lot of people out there, you might be looking at the card market and saying, well, I don't want to sell because cards have fallen or I don't want to buy because cards are kind of on the decline depending on which they are. And uh, we don't necessarily blame you because I know that a lot of people are kind of sitting here maybe thinking that so it, it makes sense. But we do have uh, some strategies to share that we have been doing. It does not mean that you have to do those strategies. It doesn't mean you have to even listen to today's episode and consider those strategies. Or you can just listen to today's episode and say, hey, you're stupid. We don't want to do that. And that's totally fine by me. We just want to share what we're doing and uh, maybe get some discussion going on what you might be doing. So if you're in the live chat today, um, feel free to say hi and uh, drop some comments and drop some questions or some thoughts or uh, what you might be doing in this uh, current state of the market right now as we go throughout today's live stream. And we'll be happy to read off your comments and share them. If you're on podcast listening later, hope you uh, learn some things or maybe get to talk about some things with some friends if that's what uh, you like to do in cards. So what's up, Brooke? Good to see you. Thanks for coming tonight, Brooke. Before getting into tonight's uh, the bulk of the live stream, I do want to talk about the Camp Custom Charity event this year because we have made some progress. So now we are already over $25,000 in donations. At this time last year, probably right around $10,000 in donations. And obviously, 100% of it is going to charity. It's going to Camp Kesem. It's a camp that sends kids to camp for free whose parents have cancer. And uh, I was involved in college at UW-Madison. And we cannot wait to help again this year because of the sports card community, which is awesome to see. And we have two new presenting sponsors to announce since last live stream. And it is Whatnot, where we are going to be hosting a few different events for the Slabstocks charity event, where you can buy stuff to help out kids from for Camp Kesem. Uh, there's a ton of great cards this year, ton of great products that have been donated. Talk about those in a little bit. Very excited about it, and I'll talk tell you where you can help uh, out buy stuff um, and what nights you can do so. And then we have also got Midwest Cards. So Midwest Cards donated a ton of product last year. They donated, like, it was an NT2020 football box. Yes, like the, you know, Joe Burrow and uh justin herbert box and then they also donated a sapphire tops chrome formula one box last year i ended up pulling a lewis hamilton variation aqua of 99 out of that product it was sick uh and then they donated a ton of other cool stuff too it's like 10 grand in donations and uh this year they donated a ton again and it's like up to 12k this year oh not, not yet i'm going to show you what they donated because i have it right here in front of me right now so first box that they donated is this uh that's a little small. Let me see if I can increase the size. This is all from Midwest Cards. Shout out Midwest Cards. The absolute best. Uh, 2018 Bowman Chrome Baseball Box. That's got like Acunas and Otani uh, rookie autos in there potentially, plus some other first Bowman prospects I'm sure Nate could tell you about, but he's not here. We got a Pokemon Evolutions Box donated. This is like 600 bucks right there. Pretty sick. How about for the hockey fans out there, 2015 OPC Platinum. This is McDavid's rookie year. Uh, super pumped about this box. Going to be awesome. Uh, we're opening that on whatnot. We've got a 2021 Prism NFL Hobby Box. You know, that's like $1,400 right there right now. And then look at this donation. This is probably my favorite that we might get or did get. And this is a 2018 Prism first off the line Hobby Box right here. This is Luca, Trey, uh, JJJ, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, DeAndre Ayton, among like Jalen Brunson and all those other good players from this draft class. So this is like a 4.5 to 5K box right here. And then... The last box donated, it's got to grab it, was a 2021 NT football box. So this is going to be like the Mac Jones and Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence RPAs and stuff potentially in there. So they donated all those boxes this year. It's 12 grand product. Uh, Midwest Cards is the absolute goats. They do so much for the hobby. They are absolutely amazing. And they have a website, MidwestCards.com. If you're looking to buy boxes, great prices on their website. Highly recommend going there if you are trying to buy sealed boxes. And we can't thank them enough again this year for helping out. Uh, in a monster way and all those boxes are going to be uh, opened on whatnot so as you're looking at right here these are the three different streams we have scheduled right now uh, to help support the cam custom kids so all the fees are going to be waived by whatnot for these streams which is amazing that's going to result in a ton of saved money and helping connect a ton of people to custom too because there's so many people that buy and whatnot and uh, july 19th i am hosting the first the kickoff stream uh, for the Kesem charity event. And that is going to be F1 soccer and hockey only. Uh, I'm taking three sports. Nate's taking three sports. So we'll have F1 soccer and hockey. 
on July 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. There will be packs, there will be boxes, there will be singles, there will be slabs, uh, there will be a ton of cards. And then also July 21st is going to be Nate's stream, and that will be at 6 p.m. Eastern time too, and that will be basketball, baseball, and football. Um, ton, we have tons of cool singles from those sports too, and I, as you saw, like the Prism Football Box, uh, among other products that we've gotten donated so far. And then on July 28th, we've got – this is actually going to be live from the National, so I'm bringing the 2018 Prism FOTL and the 2021 National Treasures Football Hobby Boxes to uh, the trade night at the National, uh, Ryan and Jimmy's trade night. And we're going to do a live break there on whatnot for the two biggest boxes that are donated, the ones I just showed you, to see what pops out and hopefully raise like 10 grand for the kids or something crazy like that. Um, that will be super fun, and it's going to be a great time. I have it pegged at 8 p.m. Eastern time right now. I do have to say that time is subject to change, but as of right now, it's scheduled for 8 p.m. Eastern time. So please hop into our WhatNot account account if you uh, go into the description of this video there's a link that you can use to get ten dollars in free credit on whatnot if you create an account um if you don't have one yet and if you go to our account um just search slab stocks and whatnot you can save all these streams and make sure you're there to help send the kids to camp uh it's going to be absolutely amazing hopefully some deals for people too that uh, should be a very good time and then also i want to shout out that you can still help if you want to but you have to act like right now like tonight like after you're listening to this podcast or live stream uh, we could really use your help. So these are a bunch of cards that we bought at the Midwest Monster that are getting graded by SGC for free. Um, they are grading all these different raw cards for free for the kids. And the deadline says 7-2-22. So obviously July 2nd has passed by now. But we are sending out this submission on Saturday, um, this upcoming Saturday, July 9th. So if you go to your you know, card room, your whatever storage right now, pull out some cards that are $25 or more in value. Throw them in a bubble envelope really quick and throw that address on there, Slab Socks Charity, P.O. Box 320384, Franklin, Wisconsin 53132. Uh, you can still make the deadline and we'll send them on Saturday. So you have to act now. We really appreciate the support. Uh, we've got like nearly 200 cards, but we're hoping for a lot more. So if anyone does want to help out and finds in you to help send some kids to camp for free, uh, we'd really appreciate that. It would make a big difference for these kids. So thanks, everyone. And uh, now on to the rest of today's stream. Julian, wait, really quick. Julian, are you excited to uh, witness your first Camp Kassam Cherry Night in person type of deal? Very excited, especially because last year, um, I know you mentioned it, the whatnot, so there's going to be people who, who won't be able to go to the national, so you'll still be able to tune in and participate. So that's that's a fun aspect as well, which I did last year. So I'm excited to be there in person, but we'll also have the opportunity for other people to tune in and take part as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to get as many people as involved as possible. That's the goal. And what is up global sports car investor? What is up medium rare cards and big John? Good to have you all here. So to recap auction weekly auction number 24 from PWCC on Sunday night for a flip quest episode, we've got our podium here where we, you know, detail three of the top selling cards that we were tracking that night. First one here is a LeBron James refractor PSA 10 that sold for $48,000. Now this card right here, this thing sold for nearly $300,000 like a year and a couple months ago. Uh, down to $48,000, that is quite the significant drop. It really just goes to show that you might hear, buy the goats, buy this, buy that. And while there is really, really good thought behind that, sometimes if too many people are trying to buy the goats at one time, it does not turn out well if there's too many in the supply. And this is going to be one of those cards that's now down to 48 k It's going to go down for here. Who knows? But. Um, all I can say is that's crazy to think that at one point a base PSA 10 was worth this much and now a refractor PSA 10 is worth this much. Uh, number two is the Mike Trout Gold Rookie PSA 10 from 2011 update. Very rare card. It's like 50 PSA 10s, I think. Super tough to grade. That's sold for 15600 And then on the right, we've got the Kevin Garnett. That's a 2012 Prism Gold uh, 10 PSA 9 for fifteen grand. That last sold for, I think it was like $200 uh, nearly 13 years ago or something like that. Or it was like nine years ago. Sold for uh $200 on sold for 15k as a PSA 9. We asked the Instagram audience what they thought the best use of uh or what what the best buy was for the price and 49% of the votes got the LeBron at 48k and then 45% of the votes got the Trout at 15 and a half thousand dollars. Only 6% for the KG at 15k. Um it is a very you know like sought after card for 2012 Prism Gold collectors, but I can definitely see how people um, would think that maybe that is too much money for that if you aren't a prison gold collector or, or a basketball enthusiast, for sure. Julian, what are your thoughts on these three sales right here? Yeah, I was honestly kind of surprised at the amount of people who selected the LeBron Refractor. I mean, you mentioned it considering how much it dropped. I would definitely, for the price, I was leaning towards the Trout. That was my selection, especially with, like, I think the, it sold for, like, 21000 
like a few months back. So yeah. he hasn't been playing. He hasn't been playing the best, but I feel like that definitely has some room to grow. But that that refractor, just how much it's dropped, it's definitely uh, it would leave me worried if I was shelling out that much money. Yeah, and I would say like it never really felt like a three hundred grand card. I suppose when you know it, there's a lot out there. Not, I mean, there's not like an insane amount there PSA tens, but there's definitely enough to go around. Um, that Kevin Garnett, you might find the perfect collector to pay twenty to twenty five k for it, but it definitely doesn't have that big of a of a audience base compared to like a Mike Trout gold PSA ten rookie. Tough to grade too. Only fifty PSA tens out of uh, two thousand different printed ones printed. So. Um, I, I actually pretty much agree with the Trout there. Although that Kevin Garnett's from one of the most legendary sets of all time. Uh, covered two different cards that were either trending up or down in price. Tua's NTRPA BGS 9 with a 9 auto sold for $10,200. Now, this was up 54%, but that was compared to a one-color patch, but with a 10 auto. So each one kind of had something better. This one had a three-color patch. The other one had the 10 auto. Still up quite a bit. And yes, the three-color patch, I think, with the 9 auto is definitely worth more. But definitely rose since January and then adding Tyreek Hill. And then this KD and AD, probably one of the worst combinations you could have on a card if you bought it last year because those are pretty much the two biggest basketball droppers in the past year next to Russell Westbrook. Um, yeah, it dropped 50% since August. So down to $1,050 from 2000 And the Instagram audience does not think that that tool was worth 10K, but 75% says no, 25% says yes. Then also just six different deals here I wanted to highlight. Um, that you could have grabbed on Sunday night if you were bidding the PWCC auction. Um, a couple highlight here would be the uh, the Damian Lillard at $31 at SEC 9.5. I think at PSA 9 sold for like 120 bucks like two months ago or a month ago. And then uh, the Rose Lavelle PSA 10 sold for 75 I think the last one sold for like 125 So we really like to target like the $25 to $100 cards during the PWCC flip quest we do. Uh, I think there's a lot of really unique stuff that ends uh, pretty good deals. So I'd recommend jumping in and uh, – Checking it out on Sunday if you can. The extended bidding starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time. All right, now time to get into the title of the stream. We talked buying and selling strategy in a down market. So I want to point out here on this episode and the kind of the ideas behind it are originating from this right here. And this was a big deal for us. Um, we were able to partner with 137 p.m. and Card Talk. So if you don't know Card Talk, um, you might, you might not, but Lou Janu, Tyler Schmidt, and Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson's from Card Clicks card collector too of course they run a weekly uh podcast um on spotify and apple podcast and everything be sure to listen to it and it goes through 137 p.m which is gary v's media company so we uh partnered to release a monthly market report so you have not yet please jump on to 137pm.com and you can find the slab stocks monthly training card market report on there it's right underneath the popular car- pop culture tab um and it is jam-packed with data it's packed with data on vintage, on new stuff, on different sports, what's trending, what's hot, what's not, looking ahead, all this different stuff. I'll leave you all to read the report. And then later this week, we are releasing an episode with Card Talk. Excuse me. That's going to release through Card Talk's podcast network and their YouTube channel. Uh, very excited about that. But I want to talk about the specific last thing we wrote um, in this report. I want to point out really here, if you look at Card Ladder's indexes right now, um, there's, I don't know how many are here. That's seven by three, 21 different indexes. And that would be 19 of the 21 are red over the last month. Uh, obviously that's a lot of them. And then the only two that are greener are up less than 1%. Uh, so I want to point out that yes, we are in a down market, but can provide opportunity as we pointed out here in our last word. So you kind of get the pre or the recap right here, but still recommend reading the whole thing. There's a lot of insight that you can take away from it. And uh, three of the things that we pointed out here was that there are reasons for people to be selling right now. Like, it's not a shock that people are selling sports cards right now, just as people expected if we were to come to a time in the economy where not only cards are trending down, but literally just like all different markets in the world are trending down. Um, stocks, cryptos, NFTs, all that different stuff. So people are selling for a multitude of reasons we wrote. And, uh, you know, either they need living expenses or they need to pay for savings for the national because people want to bring money to the national and find those rare pieces they can't find elsewhere or maybe there's just certain cards that people don't believe in long term like the high population cards that have been being offloaded for over a year now and that's very uh that's understandable and this can provide for some opportunities though you know when people are selling off um they're not all selling off like high population stuff there are some nice rare cards coming up for sale right now it might give you an opportunity to buy something at cheaper price than you would have otherwise been able to either a year ago or maybe a year from now or maybe two years from now so if you do find something you want to collect or invest in long term, definitely think that now's a decent time to do it. And then the X factor um, brought up by Chris 
from car ladder and myself as well um, is, you know, what's happening over these next two months. Uh, Chris pointed out with August coming um, with football training camp and NBA preseason and all the different, uh, you know, MVP odds and all that stuff releasing excitement starts to build definitely with the NFL, obviously and with soccer too, with the world cup coming, it'll be very interesting to see how the markets react and to see if some of them bounce back or if we're just kind of in this stage right now because of the economy. And then I also pointed out that card shows are super important um because with card shows you can actually see and believe the excitement around the hobby versus just looking at a sales dollar on a, on a you know sales history platform which is obviously good to do we do it every day but there, there's a real feeling around card shows when you get a bunch of people in the room people it's attended more than ever i'll still say that um it's crazy how many people are showing up to shows uh julian you had a great experience at the midwest monster no yeah i mean that was fantastic as you pointed out it's hard to tell just online bidding on stuff uh, cause things are down, but the amount of people that were at the Midwest monster, it was, it was great. And I mean, it just showed how strong the hobby still is, even if in a down market, but, uh, yeah, I had a great time. So I'm really looking forward to the national later this month. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm super pumped about it. So I just talked a lot. You maybe caught some of it. You maybe didn't, but we're going to walk through the strategies now, and this will go a little bit slower paced than me just rambling for the last, uh, you know, 15 minutes. So our first strategy here, which is kind of obvious, you know, I don't want to just state the, uh, a lot of these will probably be obvious. To you, okay. So you might sit here and think, Aaron, we're already doing this. All right. That's cool. Good to see we're on the same page. Um, if you don't, haven't been thinking of these and Hey, maybe, uh, if other people agree with us and then say, you know, yeah, we're doing that strategy too. Maybe there's something to it. Or like I said, please going throughout today's stream, if you have any strategies to add into here to maybe help others out, we'd, uh, we'd appreciate that. And we'd read them off. So I want to uh, call out a couple things here from uh, Global Sports Car Investor. Quick, a good friend of mine has started Australia's biggest and best touring card show, the Hobby Hangout. I did see that that was coming up. I think I saw like Tyson Beckery shared or something like that. Uh, that's pretty cool. So congrats there. And uh, what is up, George? And then Jim, how are we doing? Good to see you. So buying unique items. And what does that mean? Obviously, it means finding stuff that others maybe don't have or stuff that others want, but they can't get their hands on. And it's not as easy as just like looking something up and then boom, there it is. And you buy it like this does take a lot of time looking at a lot of auctions, searching a lot of different characteristics, finding out different things that people are maybe um, looking for in different markets based on seasonality, whatever it is. But last night, an example I have, or this is actually two nights ago now. Uh, this, I, we bought in the FlipQuest episode a 2008 Upper Deck Premier Legendary Remnants Gold uh, Triple Patch of Jackie Robinson of 19. And it is a PSA 5. Now, some people would say, dude, why are you buying a PSA 5? I'd never touch a PSA 5. Carter's made in 2008. It's not like it was a 1954 Hank Aaron or something like that. And yeah, it's not a great grade, obviously. But to me, grades mean so much less than what the card is in the holder itself. And I've always felt that way. And looking at this card right here, a triple relic with clearly three different jersey pieces that clearly is stated on the back of the card. It's game-worn by Jackie Robinson in an MLB game. That is irreplaceable. And what's even more irreplaceable than that? Well, actually, that, this is not as irreplaceable as that. But that that's super cool about the game used Jackie Robinson thing. So this is we bought for $174, even as a PSA 5. But what I would point out is that this... I didn't know this at the time of purchasing because I didn't look up the sales history of this card. I noticed it the night of, and I said, I really want that. So I just went for it. I didn't even know how much the thing last sold for. I just bought it because I thought it was a great price. I looked back today and found out that the last time that this card hit auction was in 2016 on June 4th. So this was uh, six years ago and a month ago at this point. And it last sold for $76 as a raw card. Now, yeah, that raw card might have been, I don't know, a PSA 8, a PSA 9, a Maybe it's a seven. Who knows? Um, all I know is that the card, those cards are tough to grade in general. But if it's sold for 76 back in 2016, I have a good feeling that six and a half years later or whatever, six years later, when there's been none that have came up for sale for $174, like that just seems like an absolute deal to me, a no-brainer. Right, Julian? Or maybe you're maybe I'm wrong. Julian, tell me if I'm wrong, but do you agree with me? No, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I for me – it used to be rarity for me. I associate that word automatically with most expensive and a point that can be made is that there's a ton of rare stuff that you can get like this for, for cheap price. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's super cool. It's like a game used Jackie Robinson, $174. So yeah, there's definitely a, um, something to be said about that, but I think that was a great pickup. 
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it is just one of those things where you see it and you just like, no, you kind of got to get it because you feel like it, it is really rare. So, yes, it takes a little time to get the feel for that. Like I, even my dad, after our Flip Quest episode, he's like, man, I don't know how you just like see all that stuff and it instantly clicks. Boom, I want to bid on that, that, that. And it does just like take a lot of practice and research over time. But everyone starts somewhere. You know, I started when I was really young, which helped now to where 10 years later, I'm able to kind of do this stuff um without thinking as much maybe, but I do, I do think that you can get good at it. And uh, over time, you'll just kind of pick out these things from different auctions or whatever and, uh, and find them. So like, but something like that is what I like to look for. Something that does not sell very often. That is just like the number one indicator. If you see something selling like five times a day or 10 times a day, you know that that is so susceptible to dropping in price because at any given point, tons of them can be listed and offloaded. Like that's literally one of the most important things about cards and having cards that people want uh, long-term. Yeah, uh, I think that's also... Email us. In, email us info at slabsocks.com. I love hockey and would be maybe interested. But send me an email with pictures and uh, what you're thinking. All right, so next up, this is in the same category, unique items. Um, now, this is a 2003 Topps Chrome Shannon Sharp, uh, the tight end for the Broncos, Hall of Famer, now on Undisputed on Fox with Skip Bayless, although it's kind of a whack show. Still brings him some uh, notoriety post-playing career. So this is an 03 Topps Chrome Gold X Fractor out of 101 PSA 9. It's a pretty great Topps Chrome football set here. And when I was buying this, we bought this back on June 19th on our FlipQuest episode. I literally could not find a single one that ever sold no matter the grade of this card. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know why, but I couldn't. And I went up and looked up about 10 million different things to make sure I wasn't like mistyping something in, spelling the name wrong, not listing the year right, the gold, whatever. I just couldn't find anything. So I bought it because... It, we get paid like $105 for it, but I know eventually when we go to sell this thing, it might be at the national. A lot of these will be for sale at the national. We might be able to put it out at the booth or put it up, you know, an auction, whatever it is. And, and someone who wants this card. Yeah. Maybe some people will go and look at the PWCC sales history. If they're looking to buy and try to do a ton of research or they're subscribed to car ladder, that works too. But you know, like that, this is a card that isn't very easily comparable as some say to where you can go and point and say, Oh man, that dude over there, he's got 2019 prism job base. PSA 10 is at 100 bucks. Yours is at 125. It's overpriced type of thing where you can kind of put the card out and name your price. There's none really others out there. So that's how I felt about that card too. All right, we got a, we got a couple of different strategies thrown in here. So Jim's strategy number one, buy low numbered goats. Well, if you think that Shannon Sharp's one of the best tight ends of all time, I guess this kind of um, adds into that. And then we had a strategy number one, I think, from Global Sports Car Investor, which is actually probably should be the number. I, I wasn't listed as in any numerical order. It's just going down the list, you know. But sports card, uh, Global Sports Car Investor says strategy number one, buy what you like. And we have got to agree with that. If you don't like what you're buying, you're not passionate about what you're buying, or there's certain things about the card that makes you not like it, um, eventually you just won't like it and you wish you would not have spent the money or you'll be upset if it lost value because you really didn't like it that much. Um, I don't want to use the caveat like, oh, if you buy something like and goes to zero, then boom, you can just be, oh, nice, I got a car I like. But it's kind of true. I mean, as if you're a collector like myself or uh, like whoever else is out there and you buy, you know, I bought a bunch of Orlando Garcia cards. And yeah, I thought that maybe he'll become the next great Brewers player before I knew a whole lot. And then he didn't. And now I, Orlando Garcia's on the Brewers. I still like the cards I got because it reminds me of my first big prospect investment that didn't work out. So um, I actually just listed some of those for sale the other day for the first time because he hit a, he hit a walk off for the for the Braves now, which is crazy. But either way, uh, it's a great strategy from Global Sports Car Investor. And then Julian, what else did he? What else does he have here? You read off this one. I feel like you got something to say about this. Strategy number two: Do your research from Global Sports Card Investor. Um, yeah, I definitely think. I mean, it's hard to put in order, but that's definitely at the top of my list. Just considering, like, especially with with rarity, the topic we were just talking about. Something like Aaron said: If something's selling five times a day, I mean, you want to know that and potentially not go into that card but then also if it's like more rare than you you can know like more of a name your price type of thing but research is definitely key if you just go in and buy it not knowing what it's worth it's not the best strategy yep i agree i agree we've got some other ones to read off here uh strategy number one from brooks brooke peterson strategy number one is to buy numbered cards or rare cards of players i collect very good Strategy number two from Brooke, avoid buying boxes, especially retail, almost zero chance to get your money back. Yes, ripping packs is definitely not for the ROI, but it is for the fun. So if you're looking for fun, um, that is definitely where you can go find it. But also know that to get ROI is like 
very, very difficult to do. You got to open so much product to actually even potentially see ROI. Um, and at that point, it's a huge risk. So, but it is fun. It is how I got into cards. I always, always say that. And ripping a pack here or there is never, it doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, unless you rip too many packs here or there, then it could hurt people. Jim Baker, strategy number two, anticipate the next superstars or players about to sign lucrative contracts. So there's a lot of contracts just signed in the NBA. Uh, Bradley Beal, John Moran, Devin Booker, Carl Towns, Jokic all just signed massive contract extensions. Uh, for better or for worse, for some of those players, it could help or hurt the market. Uh, Bradley Beal, I love that John, that he re-signed there for Johnny Davis now to learn behind him or next to him and stuff. But for Bradley Beal's marketing itself, you know, moving to a massive team that's going to make a push for the championship would have helped his market way more than re-signing with the Wizards. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe like the Bulls. Just kidding, this thing. <laughs> Maybe like the Bulls. I mean, we're we're going to win the, the championship next year. I was hoping yeah. we got Rudy Gobert, a nice little trade for that, but I, I wouldn't have been happy with giving up as much as um, the Timberwolves gave up for him. Yeah, that, that was a little, little crazy right there. Um, Matthew Johnson with a good question, probably based on the Shane and Sharp. Why do tight ends not sell as well as other skill position players? Well, I think that tight ends just have always been kind of looked at as like, oh, there's like a couple good ones, and then the rest are just kind of like, you know, 30, 40 catches in a year, four or 500 yards, a couple touchdowns. But then there are a few tight ends that are like super, super good and put up a ton of stats like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and at certain different points in their career, like Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez and stuff, who are obviously some of the best Titans of all time, too. Rob Gronkowski, uh, who just Don't retired. Don't forget about George Kittle. George Kittle, too. George, yeah, George Kittle. Can't forget about him. I was looking for one more. I knew there was one more, like, really big name player, and I couldn't think of it. But, uh, yeah, George Kittle also. But what I would say is, like, Rob Gronk's, Rob Gronk's cards, like, sell super, super well, I think. Um but obviously he's one of the best of all time. So yeah, like the mid-level tight ends really don't sell very well, but I think that some of the best of all time should definitely get a little bit of love. Um, and I say that with having a Shannon Sharp on the screen that we just bought. So <laughs> I guess take that for what it's worth, but don't, don't, don't take that as like, go buy tight ends. It's just, I like this card. So I bought it. And I think that someone else might like it too. Um, Brooks Peterson strategy number three, hunt, hunt, hunt. Big deals are coming. Yes. If you, if you put in the time, you will be rewarded like that. Jackie Robinson. If we didn't put in the time, no way I would have found that. East Coast card collector, have a specific card in mind that isn't necessarily hot or that you haven't even seen, but you know exists and keep searching for it. That's an inter interesting one. Um, sometimes you never know when it'll pop up. You might really, really want a you know, rookie patch auto of a player from a certain set, and you might not have seen it for a year, and the next time you look, it, it's there, and you got to act when you can. Um, let's see here. Brooke says, oh, I love to rip. It is fun, but right now I avoid it as much as I can. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Um, not a bad, bad idea at all. Jim is throwing the hate Julian's way. DeRozan plays basketball against 1988. Bulls don't have a chance. Uh, I'm just not going to respond to that comment. All just right. wait until this, this season. DeRozan's insane. No comment from Julian. I will say the amount of points he scores with not hitting any threes is pretty unbelievable. So, Oh, yeah. That, his, that his, his fader, oh, my God, so clean. Yeah, Chris Milton's a better mid-range shooter, though, so that's too yeah. bad. <laughs> All right, now our second strategy on the list is buy items that can create margin, meaning like profit margin. And I've got an example here, which is crack and regrade. Now, just this is very uh, – it's very either opinionated or like subjective. Like you can do this as you wish with whatever companies you wish, but I'll just detail my experiences and what I'm doing or what we're doing. Um, because that's why I can talk about it. if anyone else has different ideas, you know, go ahead and do them. Like this is just an, an idea out there, a theory, and this is how we're trying to execute on that. So first example is just two nights ago, we bought this stunning Shohei Otani 2018 finest mystery redemption refractor auto of 99 BGS 8.5 with the 10 autograph for what I felt was a tremendous deal at $1,140. Um, my our, our plan with this is to crack this out of the BGS 8.5 holder, anything like BGS nine and below for me is like almost an instant regrade depending on the card um bgs nines and below just sell so poorly and i feel like depending on um what might be wrong with the card you can choose a different grading company and, and maybe do well and, and for us we're choosing sgc to grade this card with because i do feel like maybe uh you see the surface is an eight maybe there's some thumbprints on it you crack it you take a microfiber cloth um this is the key to gain dust and debris off your cards before grading you have to use this if you don't i'm sure you'll see a big difference um the hope is that it gets like a nine with a 10 autograph and it's definitely a 10 autograph. And if you look at the last sales of the card, uh, Ross sold for 2,650 on May 23rd. BGS nine sold on April 17th for $2,030. Ross 
Uh, and then PSA 9 with a 10 auto sold for 3100 on April 8th. So you can just see right there how bad BGS 9 sells. So obviously, you know, BGS 8.5, like, yeah, maybe it would sell that low. But I just feel like that there's opportunity oops, with this card because we can create margin from it from taking it and going somewhere else with it to get graded, i.e. SGC for us. So that's the first example. Second example, there is real no other sales data on this thing recently. This Ryan Graven Birch Orange at 25 BGS 9, but it has no subgrades on it. People absolutely hate BGS slabs with no subgrades, which is kind of ironic given that PSA and SGC, which are two of obviously the highest graded companies right now uh, and best performing sales data, they don't have subgrades. So it does the thinking is backwards, but BGS kind of dug their own dug their own grave by going to a subgrade model. And a Peter from SGC, he said on our live stream back when we interviewed him, uh, that they feel, and I'm sure this is how PSA feels too, that you can't really give a card a grade based on just four indicators of the card. Uh, there's a lot more to the card than just four things, which is why they don't use subgrades. And I'm assuming that's why PSA doesn't either. And the card as a whole can only be graded versus grading each individual thing and then averaging on a score. Hence why they kind of dug their own grave because now they're the only company that does use subgrades. Uh, well, I guess if you want to say HGA, but I'm not going there. Uh, all I can say is that this thing, I really do feel like taking the BGS 9 and uh, going somewhere else with it, SGC for us, especially with soccer, um, is going to do well. Julian, talk to me about Ryan Gravenberch down in Bayern Munich. Are you uh, excited about this? Do you think it's a great buy at 144? I am excited. I, I mean, I saw this one on PWCC and I texted you right away. So I couldn't find any sales on it. Um, super, su super great player, super young, uh, signed with Bayern. My only concern would be um, him fitting, how he fits in the lineup. Cause I mean, they have so many great players, but I'm pretty sure that he'll be there for a long time and he'll be successful. So, I mean, at that price, it, it makes total sense, especially with the, the cracking it out. I think that was the play. Yeah, Andy, he's on the Dutch national team. So, I mean, other, other opportunity there with the World Cup coming up this summer. And then the third and final card I'll talk about with the cracking regrading that we're going to end up going through with is going to be this Mitch Marner, Ricky Auto of 999 BGS 9. We also bought this for the flip quest, just like all these other cards um, that I'm talking about. It's the easiest ones for us to point to because we're buying them actively every Sunday night. Um, 528 on this BGS 9 right here. It's got pretty solid subgrades. Like I said, subgrades obviously aren't completely indicative for grading for other companies but it can at least give us a look in to see i guess maybe where the the damage might be or or not perfection if you want to say that not necessarily damage and uh, i feel like that we can definitely take this one go to sgc with it and hopefully uh, hit a 910 or or a, or a 95 maybe even um and see what happens and it sold for 528 but if you look at the most recent sale it was a raw for 725 so i mean right there instantly it's 200 cheaper than the last raw once we grade it maybe it's an sgc 9 or 95 I don't know, 750, 800, and that's a great grade for us. You know, after grading uh, with SGC with as cheap as it is, or I should say low cost as it is, and um, quick turnaround time, we'll have this back for the national, which will be amazing. All right, the Walmart theory next, unless anyone else has anything to add. Uh, here we go. Brooke, looking, looking for cards that do not come up very often, try to capitalize on this global recession. Already been able to get some great deals, but also plan to hold not to flip. That's a great point. Um, I want to point out that, and we will point it out at some point during these different strategies, is that um, buying with, the, the idea is that if you are buying right now, you you should be able to hold it for long enough that we can get past the the global economy um, drop or the recession, if you want to call it that, like, like Brick did. Because no one can predict what's happening with that right now. Um, we can only, you know, buy cards we think are going to last long enough to see the rebound and to, to, to spike up again when, when the economy spikes up and the stock market starts to go green and all that different stuff. Um, so don't buy anything that you don't think you'd want like a year from now, if you know what I'm saying, or even like six months from now, maybe, um, but along or two years from now, even, but along the way, if you have an opportunity to flip it, go for it. It doesn't mean you have to hold it for two years or a year or six months. It just means that you should buy with that in mind because you might have to be looking at holding a little bit longer, which could pay off in a big way, but you still got to be able to be confident when doing that. Oh, what's up, Gabriel? Welcome. Um, and then Brooks said, being from Canada, I am heavy for awesome Alfonso Davies cards before World Cup and Canada making it for the first time since 1986. Julian, any projections for uh, Canada, the World Cup this year? I think they're uh, definitely a sneaky team to, to do well. Um, they got a bunch of young guys. They got Jonathan David as well, who's uh, been tearing it up in France right now. And he's probably going to be on the move sometime soon, if not uh, this summer, next summer. 
But, um, yeah, I think they're a sneaky team. They definitely gave a USL run for their money when we played them. And um, I'm excited for them, even though they're technically, like, we faced them. They're a rival, I guess. But I am excited for them. I love Alfonso Davies. Uh, also, a comment here from Jim. The next big name in the NBA will be Scoot Henderson. Remember that name, boys? Scoot Henderson. I saw something on Instagram of him, like, throwing down some nasty dunks or something like that. Uh, I'm not really sure if he's going – somewhere you said by tw- top by 2025 him and anthony edwards are, will be the best two players in the nba um i would be really really surprised if the names of luka Doncic and Giannis are not the two best players in the nba by 2025 um they both have got over a decade of career left in them <laughs> matthew johnson johnson for example i have a justin jefferson uh 75 but got 8.5 not really sure why and had multiple people look at it as well well if you don't know why i'd say uh Maybe crack it out and, and try again or something like that. All right, on to the next strategy called the Walmart theory, which I guess can be taken for a couple different things. But the theory here in the Walmart theory is like buying cheap and affordable options right now, um, given the the global economy that people might not have, you know, 300, 500, 700, 1,000, 2, 3, 5, 10,000 dollars, whatever to spend. If you can find stuff in the ranges of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 dollars and find it at maybe a higher um, higher scale a lot of different ones like that um at least for us going to the national we feel like that might be a play to where people can afford these things afford these little you know fun collection pieces and uh take pride and happiness in in buying something you really enjoy for not a lot of money so the idea here is buying something like you know this is a 20 excuse me a 2019 tops uh, star wars living set the child psn and a baby yoda we bought this the other day for 26 bucks and yeah, it's not a lot of money, and the last sales are anywhere between twenty six to thirty five to forty. Um, but twenty six to forty bucks or twenty six to thirty five, it's something. You do that a ton of times over, and it'll add up. And uh, just something like this is, I could just see someone who's like, "Oh man, I like the Mandalorian, so I just want to buy this." Versus like, "Oh, I I know I need to take this thing and flip it for seventy five dollars or something." Like they might do with like I don't know, a Scoot Henderson card in two years, I guess, or something like that. Um, and then the next example we've got here, we bought this Hermione Granger. This is a PSA H from the um, Philosopher's Stone um, sticker set, 2001 Panini, bought for $31, like something like this. I d- definitely think will sell pretty decently at the National. So it's cheap, but I feel like someone's going to want it because you can't just walk to the next booth and find something like this. But you might you know, find those people that want those types of cards. Julian, if you were to buy a one non-sport card to try to flip at the National, what would it be? To flip, that's hard. I mean – I've always loved the the Marvel PMGs. The, the one on my list is the Daredevil PMG, the red PMG. That I think that's such a sick card. But I don't know flip wise because Marvel stuff has definitely been going down. It was really high. Yeah. But I guess that that would be the card I'd want to get. I don't know if I'd want to flip it. But yeah, yeah, I, I got well, that too. I could be a collection piece. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a card on my list. I think it's super cool, and I love that TV show too, the Daredevil TV show on Netflix. One of my favorites. As I say, I feel like you'd have to like that show to actually want to buy that because I don't know a whole lot of people actually watch that show, but you you named it, so there you go. <laughs> I guess I know one now. All right, next one is cards you're long term on. So we kind of talked about this a few different times between the stream already, but. The next strategy is buying cards that you're you're long term on, and that to me means exactly what I said like five minutes ago. It means that two to three to five years down the line, you would want to see yourself have this card and have the ability to sell it for either more money or just hold on to it if you need to hold it longer. Whatever it is, who knows? Or maybe sell it for less money, you go buy something else. But my point is, is that cards you're willing to lo- uh, hold on to for a long time are cards worth buying right now if they're rare and you feel like that there's opportunity to get, and you couldn't get it maybe at another time for a better price. So. Two examples that we did of this is one a uh, couple months back on the flip quest on Sunday. Whoever's there, I'm sure you saw us buy this. They said, Aaron, we have got to get a Julio Rodriguez card. His cards have dropped in price because he started the season very poorly for the first three weeks, but he got called on a lot of different looking strikeouts and he has great eye at the plate. Um, that's a huge part of his game. And it started turning around very, very quickly for him. He's now won back to back rookie of the month awards. And he actually won player of the week award right now too of the entire MLB. And this is his 2019 Bowman Chrome Blue Refractor Rookie of 150 PSA 10, or first Bowman, not rookie. Um, and we bought it for 1140 Well, the last sale of this, um, oh, I don't have it in there, but it's like around 1650 or something like that. And there's one that's over 2500 also on buy it now or something. So the point here is, is that, yes, maybe we do sell us at the National because Julio is super hot. We take some profit and we say we're happy right now because, you know, taking profit on things is a good, good thing, especially in a market that's kind of hard to make profit in. Um and or at least right now i should say but 
I would also, Nate and I would really be happy holding a sing for three, four more years because we do think he's going to be one of the best, best bats in the entire MLB. He's thought that ever since he got uh, signed there nationally, his first Bowman Chrome card release. So Nate's been a believer for a long time, and uh, we still are a believer three years later now. We will be probably be a believer three years from now too. So, yes, we might sell this thing in August. Like, There's no saying we're going to hold this thing for three years. I'm not going to say that, obviously, because we probably won't. But – um. We bought it with that in mind that if we do have to hold it for three years, then we will. So that's the plan there. And then the same thing goes for this George Russell 2020 Dynasty Formula One. Uh, this is his RPA out of five. Very happy with this card. Bought it a great time. Um, and he's been outstanding this season. Only one finish outside of the top five, which is this past weekend when he DNF'd after the massive uh, crash with uh, Joe Guan Yu. And uh, he hopped out of his car, ran, made sure uh, he was okay. And then he couldn't continue on because his car wouldn't restart. So uh yeah very happy with this another card that i physically could see us selling at the national if we get the right offer uh at the table but also one i could be really happy with holding for three to five years or more he's going to be one of the best drivers in formula one for the next 10 years probably he's on mercedes and uh he's got pretty much the keys to the team going forward so i don't think we can really go wrong there and it was a wild race this weekend too any thoughts julian to share on that strategy the uh card you're long term on yeah i, I agree with that and uh, I'm just going to say there's no guarantee that I don't run off with that George Russell at the National. I, I'm not trying to hype you up with that. I love that card. <laughs> I know. I know you do. Um, Matthew, great buying the Julio. Thank you. And uh, Brooks says J-Rod is going to be a super study. He already is a super study. He's just going to become more super studdish over the next uh, years. I'm so excited about how he's playing. Jim, I, th- I bought two Immaculate Julio Rodriguez number autos five months ago for $77 each. Well, that works out. I mean, even if it's not licensed, put Immaculate and Julio Rodriguez and autograph together. Got to be worth more than that. Um, thank you for the comments, everyone. Feel free to comment more as we're going to. Oh, we are ending the uh, – we're towards the end of the, the different strategies we're talking about, though. Um, next up is slabbing unique items. Now, this is uh, an interesting one, and you can do this for a couple of different reasons, um, or you can just not do this at all. If you say, I don't want to slab my card, then go ahead. Don't don't grade it. But the theory here is about um, slabbing cards that don't pop up on different auctions. So just this past week, and I didn't buy this exact card you see here, but I bought this exact card, just not the serial number of the picture you see. Uh, this is a 2016 Topps Museum Collection Bryce Harper Silver auto with a gold frame number to 15 now yes he did just break his thumb um but he's playing extremely well getting one mvp last year and this sold for 350 on april 11th i paid a little bit less than that, i think um this past weekend at a card show and i bought it to get it graded because not a lot of people grade these metal frame autos um it's a sick card but they just don't get graded that frequently and with pwcc right now um to sell in their auction the card pretty much has to be slabbed or encased um, and the plan is to either one, sell this thing at the national or two afterwards, sell it when he comes back from injury and slabbed and it can sell through PWCC's weekly auction. Now, the theory behind that is that you won't find a lot of cards like this selling through PWCC's weekly auction for sole fact that not many people slab these types of cards. So I feel like getting that card into the auction could be a good idea because it's a card people won't find in there who bid each week. They might look at it and say, oh man, that's a unique item. I don't really see it slabbed that often. Oh, I should buy it type of deal. So that's the that's the plan there and the thought behind it. Um, I think it can work out. It looks it looked pretty good. Yeah, the frames got a couple of issues with it. I mean, these metal frames are so hard to grade. But I'm hoping for like an eight five or a nine, and I think that even that would uh, would turn out decently. And then second here that we, I bought this this past weekend at the show too. This is a Charlie McAvoy 2017 SP Authentic uh, Rookie Patch Auto at 25. It's the Future Watch Retro. It's a pretty sick card if you see it down here. Now ours looks a little bit different. I just sent it off actually to get graded. I think it'll probably get like a nine at best. These things are pretty tough, tough to grade. They're super, super thick. Um, but the last one's over 284 back in December 28th on auction. I got ours for like 125, 130 bucks or something like that. And that's another type of card that I don't think many people are grading that card at all. I think of the 25 that were printed and released, I don't know, maybe three are slabs, maybe less, maybe five at most. Um, so another card that I think would be smart to maybe get graded because of the lack of ones that are uh, slapped. Like to me, if you can't tell this entire live stream, this entire premise has to do with buying and selling unique things that you don't see very often. Now, obviously more people are buying and selling unique things. I guess you might see them more often, but that's the goal is to find stuff that you just don't see very often in different ways, either through slabbing, um, through buying cheaper stuff that, that doesn't pop up often, whatever it is. And uh, that would be the theories uh, behind a lot of this. So before we move on to the national, um, a brief discussion of the national, 
Uh, Julian, I just want to see if you had anything more to add on either this one or any of the uh, strategies. This one was the slab of unique items. No, you covered a lot of it. I mean, we mentioned earlier about buying unique stuff, and I just think slabbing it gives it that premium. So even if there aren't many just raw cards of the sales, if you slab it, it just gives it even extra. And you can you you basically ask like you can mark your price as long as it's reasonable because you can definitely get it's, it gives it a premium. So I think that's um that's a good strategy. Yeah, and and you're not like competing with other graded copies. Like people, if let's say my our Bryce Harper gets an eight point five, which obviously is not ideal, we like a nine, but if it gets an eight point five. Well, are you going to go and find a BGS nine or a SEC nine or a PSA nine, a mint copy? Um, probably not because none of them are graded. So, like, people want slab, then there it is, you know. So that's that's the thought. Um, all right, here, let's see here. What? Just trying to see if we got any comments to talk about. Aaron, what caused the accident in the last week? Maybe the gas man. Okay, so this is my thoughts on this. I had Lou text me from Card Talk and say, bro, Gasly caused the accident, this and that. I don't think that Gasly caused the accident. I do think he contributed to the accident because without him there, it wouldn't have happened. But what caused the accident, I do think, was George Russell cutting the inside when Gasly was already there. If he's got the position on the inside of the car, he's trying to shoot up the middle like Latifi did, get uh, Russell too late, you know, notice, oh, man, people are trying to go up the middle because they got such a poor start. He tried to close it off, but he's too late closing it off. And ultimately, that's what made him spin into Guan Yu Joe, which then flipped his car, obviously, and skidded all the way to the fence. But, uh, yeah, it was just an unfortunate situation. I, I mean, these cars are moving so fast, I, I don't really, like, blame anyone for it, although Gasly and Russell are my two favorite drivers. So uh, then there might be some bias there. But still, I, I, do, I do think it's just kind of a, a really unfortunate situation. I'm so happy that uh, Guan Yu Joe's okay, obviously. Like, just the pictures, the aftermath was crazy. Uh, literally the halo obviously saved his life but uh if you t- saw the pictures his head was probably a millimeter from just scraping the ground which is crazy so yeah that was wild uh brooke i bought heavy on rare cards of injured players who are due to come back this year jamal murray sga same way i did the burrow and acuna after the injuries it's a great idea julian what do you think about the uh, old injury injury purchase have you done, done any of that in the hobby i have not but i definitely think that's um that could be a play if you, as, as long as you do your research, it's a high risk, high reward type of thing. Cause like he said, Joe Burrow, I mean, that was definitely a very profitable, profitable buy in Acuna as well. But then there's, there's also times it hasn't worked out. I know many people, an example would be like uh, Michael Porter jr. Um, and he's, he's coming back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Michael Porter jr. Right. Yeah. He had the yeah. back injury. Yep. Yeah. So he's coming back. I know a lot of people are like trying to pick up his rare stuff, but that's one where if he comes back super strong and he signed that crazy extension, then it'll pay off. But at the same time, you could lose quite a bit of money if, if, if it doesn't work out, but that's the name of the game. High risk, high reward. I, I like those type of plays. Definitely. Definitely. I agree with that. And sometimes the safe ones are the better bets, but there's not more thrill or there's no more thrill than buying something and flipping it or selling it later down the line for like three to four times the money. It's pretty thrilling. I will say. It's less about the money, more about the game in my mind a lot of times. All right, on to the next one. So we've got the National Sports Collectors Convention coming up at the end of this month, obviously, in Atlantic City, in New Jersey. The first time it's been held there in, I think, four years or something. First time I'll ever be going. This will be my sixth or seventh national, but I've been to Cleveland um, and then Chicago nearly five times, I think. So this will probably be my seventh or maybe it's my sixth. I can't remember. Um, Either way. Um, it is coming up, and I want to point this out because I think that this is having a large effect that maybe outside of just the normal um, you know, economy pullback in all different markets, nearly every single year we see this have some sort of an effect throughout the marketplaces. A lot of different attendees going to attend the National. I highly doubt they're buying at the rate that they would the other you know, nine months of the year. I'd say three months before is when people start to sell things, save up. You're not only seeing more supply at the market, but you're seeing less people buying because they're waiting for this show. Um, and it kind of creates for an interesting market dynamic throughout the rest of the year because you think about it, it's like, okay, so more people are selling right now to save money for the show. But then when people go to the show, yeah, that might make prices lower on some cards because if you look at the online databases and different sales histories, uh, cards are selling for cheaper because people aren't spending as much as as much money on cards. And that's when I point to, again, you need unique cards so people can't come up to your booth and say, hey, that card's now selling for this much. 
because it's probably dropping prices. Not as many people are spending money, uh, you know, on the online marketplaces. So that's my thought on how the show just affects the leading up to it. But also at the same time, I want to point out for those of you that cannot make it to the national, uh, you might be a little sad if you do love going and you're not going this year, but I have to say how it affects the online marketplaces during the show if you are not going to the national, or maybe if you are and you're just a complete savage and want to just buy everything, um, I recommend going in different marketplaces, wherever you buy, um, whatever's ending like right during the show, and just looking up as much stuff as you can and trying to find to see as many deals as you can if stuff is ending on auctions. Um, if you're on eBay and you're like just looking up random stuff, like autographs from or autos from basketball cards or rookie patch auto, I guarantee if it's ending at like four o'clock. Or six o'clock on that first Wednesday night, you're probably buying it for like 25% cheaper than if you bought it like a month later or something like that. Um, it obviously depends on the card. You just can't buy anything out there and expect that to happen. But all I'm trying to say is that there should be a lot less activity online uh, during the national because you've got, you know, 100,000 people passing through within a week. Maybe not this year within Atlantic City, but in Chicago last year, yeah. And uh, that's a lot of people who aren't on their phones or aren't on their computers bidding. I really do think that uh, you can maybe get some deals if you really wanted to. Um, Junior, are you going to be that savage sitting in our booth trying to sell stuff, buy stuff, and bid on eBay or PWCC or wherever at the same time? Yeah, probably not. Uh, this is a great point, though. I, I hadn't really ever thought about this, but it makes total sense. Um, I would I would think the majority of the people at the National are not going to be walking around on their phone trying to buy stuff. So it's definitely an opportunity that's there. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very good point. But I will not be one of them. I mean, I'm fo focused on slab stocks, right? Yeah, I'm not going to be on my phone, you know? Well, <laughs> that's a good answer. The only way you should be on your phone is if you're either pri pricing cards. <coughs> excuse me. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. Pricing cards to buy or pricing cards to sell. Or of course. Making of course. Uh, but, but, yeah, I would say if you're sitting at home, uh, it could be some opportunity there uh, to, to go after if you aren't able to attend the show. Uh, Julian, why don't you walk us through what you experienced last year? Because last year was your first time at a card show ever. And now what you're expecting this year and what you're looking forward to. I'm going to go grab some water really quick while you're talking. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd preface this by uh, saying I would not do this. This is what I did. Um, I, it was my first card show ever. So I decided um, I live in uh, my hometown is uh, Glenview. So it's, it's a suburb of Chicago. So I was like, hey, it's, it's like a 20 minute drive. So I decided I'd go one of the days, hadn't ever been to a card show, um, and walked in, and I was basically like a kid in a candy store. So I, was, I would, I, if I could go back, I would have gone to like a smaller show first just to get a little bit of an experience. But I, I had a blast; it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I definitely have some tips that that came out of it. Now looking back, like I would have done a little different, or now going to this national that I have, I, I can. I, Aaron, are we going over this now, or should? I, is there another slide? For like tips, should I just give some tips? Okay, so um, the one big one is um, not as much as you want to is not to buy cards right away. There's so many cards and so many dealers. I walked in and the first booth there was something I wanted to buy. So I would have an overall idea of, of what you're looking for. Maybe create like a list on your phone um, and walk the room for sure. I, I think I walked the room one or two times before I actually made a purchase. Um, and another thing I would do is keep notes of where the stuff is you're interested in. I did not do that. So I had no idea if there was a good, nice car that I saw. I was then tried to find it again, which wasn't exactly successful. Uh, I would keep a list of cars you pass and like the, I think there's booth numbers. So I would do that. And then, um, yeah, just make sure you you do your research as well. So not not spending your money right away, um, walking around and noting anything you see, and then just doing your research. Those were my my three biggest takeaways. Awesome, love it. Uh, and then Ron says, or buying something cheap right away to get out of your system. You can do that too if you're walking around and you need to buy something. Find that ten dollar card of your favorite player, stick in your pocket, and uh, keep moving along. And uh, and, also, and there's yeah. actually go ahead. You go. You, Okay. Um, there was one more thing I thought of, I forgot to add that I actually thought of like 30 minutes ago and I hadn't thought about this before. And I watched a ton of videos prior to going to the national, like tips and tricks was if you're looking for like a, something from a sports team in particular or a player in particular to wear their like shirt or a Jersey. So I wore, um, I'm a Manchester United fan. So I wore well, a Manchester United Jersey and the number of people who were like, 
oh, I have a bunch of sock cards that I don't have out and like pulled out their case of stuff, uh, soccer stuff. I, it helped a ton because there's a ton of stuff that people weren't looking at. And uh, I noticed that. So that would be another uh, great strategy as well. You don't have to do it, but I just noticed that everybody's super friendly. So if, if you're wearing something and they have that that's not out or like a personal card, they'll show it to you, which is super cool. That's a great tip. I actually really like that. Good call on that. And uh, this year, now that you'll be wearing your uh, Slab Stocks team gear, I totally expect you to get uh, all the deals. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just messing with you and messing with everyone else. Uh, Jim said, Black Jade Wolf, I think, has a lot of soccer. Yes, definitely shout out to Black Jade Wolf. Uh, Sharon's great. Great lady. Runs a great company. And I definitely recommend going to her booth. She's got insane, insane stuff. Um, and as John points out, she's a one-of-a-kind collection. Definitely sure. Uh, last thing we're going to cover here for the last few minutes is trading at the national. So this has kind of been happening since I'd even say like March to May of maybe I don't, I was going to say last year, but I can't remember all these years are blending together. Now, my point here is, is that trading is probably going to happen at pretty high frequency at this show. Um, given people's cash positions right now and, uh, what they need to have money for and everything like, yes, there will be cash spent at the national. There's no doubt that people are spending money, um, how much who knows but my point is is that people who have cards a collection maybe some of it's went down in price maybe some of it's went up in price they're going to bring those cards to try to trade at the show because it's just easy to say okay i'm taking this card and moving into this card where if your card dropped from like 500 to 300 dollars you feel better trading it for another card that was once 500 dollars because you're not really like losing the money out you're just kind of like moving into another another uh investment so to speak and i think that this is going to happen um at a pretty pretty high rate at the show and i think that a lot of people are going to be trying to to pull off moves to maybe build up their collection um it, it it provides a unique opportunity something you can't really do online unless you like know people super super well i do not feel comfortable trading at all online um, i really don't ever the only time i would ever trade is if i physically know someone very well um and even i'm not i know people very well and i trust a lot of people but there's just some some stuff that like you just don't want to send it through the mail if you're not actually receiving you know money for it whatever it is and uh I do think that this provides you unique opportunities for people. And uh, one of those people would be Julian at the last show. So Julian, why don't you uh, maybe detail your experience of pulling off some different trades and how you like came away really happy from the show, even if you didn't walk in and like make a massive sale or, or buy something necessarily. Yeah. So um, my first trade went down at the Midwest monster. Um, as Aaron said, I think trading is a, a great way, especially in certain scenarios. If you have a card and um the price on it is pretty firm. You couldn't get like, it's not a type of card where it's like this person would pay more for it. It's around the same ballpark. So I um, bought back in January, I bought a uh, Kylian Mbappe 2017 tops Chrome uh, purple out of 250 BGS 95. Um, my thought process there was I, at the time I was thinking he was going to go to Real Madrid and then the world cup coming up. So I thought I had a ton of potential to grow. Um, and then come, he, uh, resigned re with PSG. So that definitely didn't help his market a ton. I had it. I had no intentions of doing anything with it. I was planning on holding it until the world cup, but, um, I went up to Shane's, uh, table, shout out Shane at the Midwest monster. Um, and he had some insane stuff and I've gotten super into F1 and I'm also a pure ghastly guy. So he had a bunch of, uh, pure ghastly cards, um, and the ones I walked away with was um, Red Portrait out of five. So no, all of these were non-graded. So Red Portrait out of five, um, Orange Portrait out of 25, uh, Gold 70th, uh, Orange Track Tags out of 25. I, those were the four I, I walked out with. So I'll go through my thought process a little bit on that. Um, I paid 3800 for my Mbappe. Um, it, we priced it around 4800 There was one sale at 4800 So... Trade value, it's a great way to get as much out of it because more people would – it's a higher value in terms of trade um, instead of just getting cash. Um, I asked him if he was interested in buying, but he, he said he preferred trade. So we valued it at that. Um, the ghastly stuff, for me personally, um, I'm looking at a ton of raw stuff and grading. I think that's one of the best ways to make money in the current, uh, the current market. So um, I thought it through. Um, since I was in on it at 3800 that's all I really wanted to cover. So I, I thought there was plenty of room, even if they didn't get the best grades and going to shows in person is a great way to, for me as what, like 
I don't really ever buy raw cards on eBay because I like to see it physically. So I thought all of them were in pretty good condition. So um, it was a risk I was willing to take. And I was in on the Mbappe. There's like about $1,000 worth of uh, space. So I was really happy with how that happened. And I sent it off to SGC and just got got the grades back. And I'm super happy with, with how that worked out. Nice. There you go. Congrats on that. I have a few questions to answer here. Um, is Juan Soto still a buy at these lower prices? And will he be back after this slump? So I got to point out a couple of things here. Uh, Juan Soto, yes, he is not hitting that well to start the year. If you look at the batting average, um, it's quite low. Right now he's hitting 226. Now I will point out like just about all averages in the league are down. Uh, like everyone's average is down this year, unless you're certain players. Obviously certain players are they're hitting better than they normally do. But if you look at his first half and uh, second half splits um, over the last – two or last year and then this year too obviously the second half hasn't happened yet but last year he had this is kind of challenging i'm in baseball reference last year he had a ops plus of 147 in the first or sorry 139 in the first half of the year um he hit 283 with an 852 ops and had an ops plus in 139 so that means he's like 39 percent better than league average and this year so far he has got a 137 OPS plus again in the first half. Um, it might not look like he's doing that well because of the stats overall are down in the league, but compared to the rest of the league, he's doing well, actually last year, 139. So sorry. So he's doing two percentage points worse this year compared to the league than last year to the first half. But in the second half of the year, the guy went freaking off. He had a 348 battery average. He had 1,164 OPS and he was 216 OPS plus. So that's, uh, 116% better than league average. And it's yet to be seen when he does in the second half of this year. But if I learned anything from Nate, the point is, is to don't worry about a Juan Soto first half underperformance. Cause Nate last year was ripping on Soto. He said that he was one of the most disappointing players get, uh, given the expectations coming into the year, even though he still did well in the first half this year is kind of a similar story, but um, he's got 15 home runs. Like he is hitting a lot of home runs compared to last year, even through the first half. And I expect hopefully big things for him um, to to come the rest of the year. And uh, that is being said from someone who has three different nice cards of Juan Soto right now for our flip quest. And we just bought a Juan Soto 2021 five-star three-color patch auto out of 10 at the last show I went to this past weekend. Plus have a Heritage Refractor Rookie F569 SGC95 and have a Juan Soto 2020 Brooklyn Collection Platinum Auto one of one. So, yes, we are investing in Soto, but for good reason. And I think it's a great time to buy. Now, that's also our personal opinion. You got to do with it what you will. We could be wrong. Like we're not always right or even sometimes, right? We just like to collect cards and kind of make uh, make guesses from the, or educated guesses from there. And this would be an educated guess is that hopefully the second half of the season goes a lot better um, numbers-wise. Joseph says, two Mount Auto rookies in cash couldn't get Aaron to let go of a Polizic rookie. Well, I've only had like two Polizic rookies in my life, honestly. So I'm not really sure what that one's in reference to. Uh, but you might be correct. I mean, depending on what the card it was, I have like a million mounts. So I, if I had like one Polizic, there's a chance I'd said no at some point in my life. Um, and then Jim's saying Kevin Durant to the Warriors. I'm still not believing it, Jim. I could not. I just still can't see the Warriors like bringing all that hate back. That would make no sense to me. And then Joseph says Katie might stay. Kyrie and Simmons leave um, and Lillard and AD come in. Well, that would be something else. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I couldn't see Lillard get traded for Kyrie. That just doesn't make any sense. I guess not up to Portland. Lillard has a trade clause. Well, I guess that, that may be correct. Who knows? Well, he can't really like, I guess the trade clause blocks teams from trading him. It doesn't mean that, um, he can like, it, I mean, any player can demand a trade in this day's market, I guess. I mean, it happens all the time, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, Julian, anything else to well, – yeah, anything else you have to, to say to wrap up this uh, conversation here? No, I, I think we touched on a lot of it. I think the the main thing to take away is despite, like, the market being down, there's still a ton of opportunities for uh, to make money, and they're, they're, the hobby is still uh, strong. You go to one of those shows like the Midwest Monster, there's a ton of people. So I would say um, – Focus on some of these tips, um, do some of your own research, and uh, there's a ton of ways to, to make some money. Yeah, remember, these are just tips that we have that we're executing on right now. It doesn't mean that they're all right. It doesn't mean that they're all wrong. It doesn't mean that they're all going to work out. Some of them might, some of them not. Um, two years from now, I guess we'll know for sure. But uh, that's just what our best, you know, our best judgment is right now. 
And the last thing I want to point out is that we have got two shows this week on whatnot remaining. Tomorrow we have What's Brewing at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Nate is still gone moving to Washington. Uh, so it'll be Papa Slab and myself. Uh, my dad, we will be ripping packs and giving them away. We're doing $750 in giveaways, two boxes of photogenic basketball, the new Panini product, and two boxes of 2021 Topps Chrome Diamond or Platinum Anniversary Baseball. And then we'll have a basketball uh, team break afterwards. So it should be pretty affordable, and it'll be a ton of free packs given away too. So that's affordable. I know that much. Um, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then also this upcoming Thursday night is our massive break of the month as we're doing – Four boxes of every year of Topps Finest Soccer, which means four boxes of 2018 Topps Finest Soccer, four boxes of 2019 Topps Finest Soccer with Holland rookies, and then four boxes of 2020 Topps Finest Soccer uh, with the loaded rookie class. It's going to be a super fun time. Um, that's 12 boxes. That's 24 different autographs, and it's going to be a super unique way to hopefully buy packs. So you'll have to come and see how that's going to be done. And we're going to give away a couple different slabs, too, or a couple different cards and uh, maybe some packs, too. So. Come check it out on uh, Whatnot Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, like always, there's a link in the description of this video to get $10 of credit to sign up for an account and to come and check it out. That's all we got for now. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I think that a lot of people, um, it seemed like you're adding in some comments, so I do appreciate that. I'm sure the people listening afterwards are going to appreciate that too. Hear some different thoughts and perspectives. Uh, we know that this was not on Monday this week, so we appreciate you coming on Tuesday. I know it's different. But I think it was still a great episode and a lot of you came. So we thank you for that. And we will see you all this Sunday night in the next FlipQuest episode number 25 on the PWCC Weekly Auction.